0: Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's dot com. C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.
1: Pizza has to have white space. Life has to have white space. Great music, right? Where the notes aren't played. So I think ensuring we give our kids white space in their lives, to think, to reflect, you know, because that's where creativity happens. And there's been all the studies about, right? You work really, really hard on something and then you get on the subway to go home and that's when the ideas come.
0: Yes. Hi everyone and welcome to Conversations with Lulu. My guest today is Dr. Steven Dragon. He is the superintendent at the American School of Dubai. Dr. Dragon has had several leadership roles in schools across the world, from Indonesia, Milan, and the United States. Education is a topic that keeps coming up on my podcast, whether it's from a technology disruption or enablement uh, angle, whether it's from a work readiness angle or a mental health angle. And I really wanted to have someone from the education establishment to understand what is going on, to get their point of view, and to learn firsthand about the programs that schools are running today to equip our children for the future. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome Dr. Stephen Dragon. Let's tune in. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm very good. I'm very excited to see you here.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: I usually see you in the morning. At a uh... drop off all smile, big smiles, talking to parents, saying hello to uh, to children early in the morning. So it's good to see you here.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you. We're all blessed to uh, have a school like ASD for our kids.
0: It is great. I agree. I'm a new parent there, so I'm I'm still discovering, but so far the experience has been great. Wonderful. I wanted to, to bring you here because um, I wanted to have a point of view from the schooling establishment or from the education establishment. I often have guests here on the show that are in technology, leaders of tech businesses or entrepreneurs trying to disrupt, uh, you know, uh, all the incumbent uh, industries here and education keeps coming up and from many, many angles. So you have the, um, you have the, uh, technology angle, right? So, so do we do we really need schools? Technology is going uh, very far. Uh, do we need teachers? Uh, what's the future of the school look like? There's also the skills gap angle, right? So are schools producing, you know, the, the type of people who are employable or are we ready for the job market of the future, et cetera. And there's also the mental health angle that keeps coming up, especially from parents. And I've had quite a few people who had uh, social media platforms here in the region, and it's always a topic that we kind of skirt around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we t- we try to we try to avoid, but I think it's good to have you here to get your point of view Thank you for uh, on these me. topics. Um, so I think we're gonna try to cover um, most of these, of hopefully, that, right? <laughs> hopefully, in, in forty five minutes, but uh, but w- we'll see. But I want to start with um, maybe a bit of an abstract question about. What do you think the, the the schools like would look like in the next ten to fifteen years? Would we still need schools as we know them today? You know, the buildings, the teachers, the the you know eight to three or that and that kind of
1: setup. So, I guess I mean, I, I guess there's two parts to that. Do the students need to go to school, and does society need schools? Okay. And I tend to kind of want to talk about the latter. Um, you know, there's no shortage of technical solutions to things in the world, right? We, we know how to invent, we know how to make Excel do whatever we want. We can have AI, we can have Photoshop, we can have all these amazing tools, but why are we, What to do what? You know, uh, is it planet now with what, 7 billion or we just hit 8, 8, we billion, just hit eight. 8 billion people? 8 billion is a lot. Mm-hmm. We've never lived on a globe with 8 billion people. Mm-hmm. Um, so society has to learn how to do that. How will we feed each, other? how will we all, how will we be fed? How will we care for those with less? How will we take care of those displaced by, by war? How will we, can we avoid war? I, mean, I don't think any of us thought we'd see a war in Europe again. And so society, so to do that, if we don't bring people together, young people, to learn, to grow, I'm not confident that we'll learn how to continue to learn how to be society. Um, so I think the answer to your question, like 10 to 15 years, sure. We could change the name. We could call them learning centers. We could call them clubs, but will we bring people together to grow and learn and fail and fall down and get up? I think we will. Um, you know we talked a little bit off camera about what we learned during you know the, the strictest lockdowns of the pandemic mm-hmm. when kids were at home, um, trying to be taught online with very little practice. And that wasn't really a, that didn't seem to work that well. So I think schools will um, bring kids together with adults. I think there's a wider you know with eight billion people, you have a wider range of people of the needs. You have students, as we always have, that are incredibly, incredibly capable cognitively, right? By the time they're in first grade, they are reading a novel. They can know the multiplication tables like that. You know, the, the cognitive skills are off the charts. And so you have those kids in the rooms with kids who, have, who don't really have the cognitive sk- cognitive hard skills like that, but have incredible creativity. So how are we bringing those kids together to learn from each other and appreciate each other? Uh because we're gonna need them, right? Someone has to take care of us when we get older and someone has to help us make, continue to have the world evolve. I, if we look at the data, right, um, the world's in a much better place in many, many measures than it ever has been um, due to advances in technology, due to advances in clean water, due to advanced sanitation, medicine. But we've kind of plateaued and we're seeing advanced Western, you know, first, what we've always called more advanced countries, we're seeing actually a decline in life expectancy um, why, and so what are we going to do about that? I think we can only really solve that through educating people.
0: Okay. But how do you see, so as you said, it could be the, the name maybe can change into a hub or a, or a learning center or something, but you, you see that the, the. Act of bringing kids together for six hours, seven hours a day is, is going to stay.
1: I mean, I think you'll see lots of different models. If you go okay. around the world now, I've been in schools that had no grades in elementary school. Okay. Um, you know there's some of its convenience some of it some things we do have nothing to do with what may be quote best for learning mm-hmm. and if you measure learning solely on a student's ability to get better at certain discrete tasks, but you also have to have a functioning society and some routine and rhythm to that. We were talking about it you know we we have uh, we're in the middle of two three day weeks at a s d yes. How often do you want that to happen? <laughs> you know, ASD. You know, uh, had to reinvent its ca- all. Of, all of the UAE, right, changed their school calendars eleven months ago. That's right. Even that little disruption causes families, and and in many ways, all it did was shift kids into uh, additional capitalist companies who have camps for kids. Um, what happens in summer vacation anymore? Where do most kids? What do most parents do with their children in summer vacation? Mm-hmm. They put them in another place. That's right. Not called school, but it looks a lot like school. It does. (laughs) It looks a lot like school. So we may actually have more schools, not Mm -hmm. fewer. Um, I think what parents, what I think will, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, we're probably going to see more specialization, um, which has pros and cons. Okay. Um, The more we separate ourselves due to our, our beliefs, maybe. The, then are we really learning as much as we could so if I choose a school for my kids based on my beliefs then they're gonna be re- actually reinforced what I believe
0: so you're an echo chamber an echo chamber
1: so you know um when schools can actually bring together multiple perspectives and multiple backgrounds that's when we learn the most right when I when I when I feel free enough to say, I used to think this, and now I think this because I've been exposed to new ideas and new thoughts and new new ways of doing things, as opposed to just reinforcing my own beliefs my own ways of doing things. So, I mean, circling back, um, it can look a little bit different. We could do you have to group kids by ages? No, it's more of a convenience factor. What um, would it is, be if not abilities or or? There's lots of models, right? You could say. You can earn badges. You can, you know, as you get different badges, you can progress through. You can. Okay. And at the same time, okay, it's another way to do it. And is it really though going to be, is it going to really lead to what we want to have happen in society, which is I want a society where we love and respect each other, uh, learn from each other, find solutions to problems come together to support each other. Um, And I think we can over-engineer things sometimes. We can make it really complicated, but what do we really want kids to do? Mm -hmm. You know, come together. You need to be highly literate and highly numerate in our society, right? The internet puts so much text in front of us. You need to be able to discern where the information came from. And to do that, you probably want to be exposed to different opinions and different varieties. And I, I think, as a parent, I'm a parent of two two, two young men, um, and as a husband and as a son, like it isn't just about how fast I can learn my times tables or how fast I can, you know, understand word piece. If I do it in two months or three months or four months, is it really going to change my life?
0: But you tell me. No, is it? It's not okay.
1: But if, I, if I was seven seconds faster at my times tables than the student next to me. Mm. As long as I can, as long as I can compute. Right. What do I do with it? And do I, and can I think conceptually? And do I understand how to make connections and can make, can I make connections? I look at some of the books on your shelf here, right? These people are mostly written about because they made connections of things. Other people did make connections. And sometimes that's about slowing down, not just going fast. But so much of uh, you know, American capitalism is about going faster. Where sometimes we need to go slower.
0: I think that's such an important message, by the way, to parents specifically. It's about slowing down because we all want the next thing. You know, like you have you have parents, for example, with kids that are at that uh, cutoff age where they you know they can't join the the grade. They have to wait, and they they try to do everything they can to put them in and and you want you want your kids to learn i don't know five different activities and you want them to be the first to read in their class and it's you're right you, you we all want things to move a lot faster but why
1: but why mm. you know it i think we often forget about the importance of white space in all aspects of our life look at pizzas right? So I grew up in America. Americans, okay. we make pizza, we put everything on top of
0: that, <laughs> right?
1: You can't even really tell what the different tastes are. I then married into an Italian family.
0: Uh-huh. Very,
1: very different approach, right? The pizza has to have white space. Life has to have white space. Great music, right? Where the <laughs> notes aren't played. So I think ensuring we give our kids white space in their lives, um, to think, to reflect, you know, because that's where... Creativity happens. There's been all the studies about, right? You work really, really hard on something, and then you get on the subway to go home, and that's when the ideas come. Yes. So where are we creating that in our, you know, in our privileged one percent lives where we overprogram our kids? And if my neighbor's learning Mandarin and Spanish, well, I'm going to learn Mandarin, Spanish, French, and Arabic. Yes. (laughs) Right. Like. That's true. But where's the space and time to do that? So and and I am believe me, I I wanted my kids to have the best. We all do, but what is it, what is the best?
0: I think maybe the critique is that it's it's like it's one of those institutions that kind of remain the same in terms of form and structure, while a lot of things mm-hmm. have changed, right? And or have been disrupted with yeah. technology, or the, the business model has changed. Yeah. Let's put it this way: I think the school is still pretty much in the same form, and maybe that's where the the critique comes from oh, very much so like before this uh, before this uh, episode i've asked a few parents right you know what are what are some of your concerns and some of them i mean mental health of course came up a lot but one of them was uh, or actually some of them were um are kids learning things that are relevant for their future Right and and I come across this a lot because mm-hmm. I'm I'm attending usually a lot of conferences and talking to a lot of uh, business people, company owners, where they talk about the skills mismatch and all of that. Yeah. And then the critique goes back to the schooling system, right? Uh, what are you teaching? Do we do they need to know algebra? Do they need to know X Y Z? How is it going to help them? And yeah. uh,
1: I think I think it's a great question, and I, I think you know Ken Robinson, who I'm sure you've come across, you know. Yes, are we, are we running an education system created to make Model T Fords or, you know, the Industrial Revolution when now we're clearly in a, whatever we want to call it, right? Knowledge economy, post-knowledge yes. economy. So I think we definitely to teach some things in schools we shouldn't teach that aren't really value added. And at the same time, there are some things we're not doing enough of. Are we intentionally teaching listening? How do how do we how do you listen well? How do you listen deeply? How do you then apply what you're hearing to other novel situations? I mean, systems thinking. Systems thinking is not a new approach, right? The Sloan School, early 70s. And are we doing enough systems thinking? Can you
0: elaborate on that? Sure. So,
1: I mean, basically, how do my actions today impact other things around me? And how do things that happen impact other things around me, right? The, The classic systems thinking of you know, what, what happens in Dubai, how it impacts India, and vice versa. And are we doing enough of that with our kids? Or are we teaching siloed knowledge where we're not seeing the connections between different disciplines and different things that happen in the world? And should education look more like the Renaissance? You know, what happened in the Renaissance in that time period, in that part of the world? Look at the impact it's had till today. You know, if you go to the Louvre in Abu Dhabi, who's featured there, mm-hmm. right? And that was an incredible time of energy and, and, and uh, mentorship. So I think some of the things we're not doing well enough in education is is mentorship. Um, you, know, you look at some of the German, what happens in in Germany around mentorship and apprenticeship. That we need to do more of. We need w- to,
0: what is happening. I am I'm, I'm not familiar so with
1: that. So you have much more. Uh, an apprenticeship model where you are learning from others in in an area where you want to get more experience and deeper.
0: And others would be people from the community. uh, Sure. Okay. I mean,
1: one of the great things about the world today, right? For all the things Zoom is not good at, (laughs) what it's really great at is I can connect with a mentor regardless of space or time. And that is truly a gift. So you take a school like ASD, as our students progress into, you know, ages fifth as they progress through their journey, are we giving them enough time to apply the disciplines they're learning, the literacy, the numeracy, the art, the creativity, into areas where they think they may want to have, explore further in the future. And we have an incredible community, right? So how are we taking advantage of that? Because also for adults to feel better, you know, many of our, many of our parents, many of our community of a school like ASD, they. They work in in business, and sometimes that can be rewarding in some ways, not rewarding in others. So if we open, the, if we have the opportunity to have our adults in ASD mo- mentor and help grow our students, like to me, that's something education doesn't do enough of, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't only be the English teacher. It should be an English teacher helping a student develop their craft of writing and listening and understanding. So that then they can work with a biologist or a geneticist on understanding what the needs are of the patients that need those services. So I think that a much more what will look different in 10 to 15 years, and it isn't different, never seen before. But let's let's bring back that mentorship model. Let's bring back more and let's make sure we have students take these discipline skills and apply them to novel situations outside the walls of the school.
0: I think it's so important. I mean, one of the, the, you know, if you talk to entrepreneurs, they tell you, I'm successful because I had great mentors. It's it's so important. Not to just have. entrepreneurs. Yeah. Teachers, uh, all of us. All of us. You know, That's right.
1: Mentor Mentorship, being a mentor and mentoring and being mentored, I think is invaluable. And it's, it's, you know, it's what happens at, um, you know, students have the opportunity to go to schools that provide that and have access to that. They, they're very fortunate.
0: So is this something that ASD is working on today? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this, or do you, you see this as something a bit
1: more in the future? Both. So we have a, you know, a beginning program in, in our upper school where students do have uh, mentors and projects that they work on. Um, I don't think we – it's not as robust as it will be going forward. Um, it's something you see in schools around the world. But not – so much is often focused on the test. Or these other, you know, whatever. And I, I have no problem with assessments. You need assessments. We all, we get assessed every day in our life. Like this is an assessment for me right now, right? Can I can I talk coherently for almost an hour? Like it's a performance task. And so ensuring that creating the system where everyone's leaning forward to help kids grow and move forward so that we can do better. we can get better at.
0: And what is the role? So with technology, so do you, first of all, do you see like schools hiring uh more resources in technology, you know, like startups, right? If you are a startup founder, you have engineers and you have data scientists and, you know, people that are constantly analyzing the inputs from customers and trying to figure out how to sell you more or, yeah. you know, get you to do more of something. Um, Is this something that, that, you know, the schools you think would be would be looking into to have maybe data scientists on uh, on staff or- So we
1: actually employ somebody. Um, okay. We hired him from Facebook, from Meta. Okay. Um, learning data specialist to actually do that. Um, I think just like, you know, pro sports, sports went heavy into the money ball, pure analytics. Yes. But there's things you can't measure. And, you know, there's the heart, the soul- so, yes, we need to understand there are which pedagogies know, are not working for which kids. And a great teacher will know each student very well and know the things that that child responds to well and not. But that's hard to scale. And so I think that's where the beauty of bringing in data is the scalability of, of balancing the art and the science. And great teachers have the art. But we also need to bring the science to it because there can be methods we use that are just not effective for kids. And how do we know that for that student? How does that student know that? How's that student um, growing their understanding of, of, of concepts? And how are we helping them do that? Um, I, and I'm a little bit, I think, in some ways, though, I, I also don't want it, a student to be like, you know, that teacher has to always teach me the way I need it to be taught. Because part of life is learning how to adapt. And I definitely learn better in some ways, but I also need to know how to use my strengths to compensate in the areas I'm not as good at mm. you know, and surround myself with people who are.
0: I think there's this element of uh, customization, right? That's, you know, everywhere now. I want I want a Nike shoe, but I also want to customize it with my colors and my name and stuff. And I think it's proliferating everywhere. And I think it, people- Is that a good thing? Um, is that a good thing? I mean, people are different, right? So sometimes you want something the way you want it, as mm-hmm. you said, and technology is making it feasible uh, that you do that. Now, as you said earlier, you know, at what cost, right? Maybe it's causing more pollution in the back end. Maybe there are inefficiencies. We, we, we don't talk about that. Uh, I think we were talking about yeah. this off camera, but, uh, but with kids, you know, given that they are, indiv- You know each one is their own individual they come from different backgrounds, so while diversity is very good of thinking to to get people uh to more to be more understanding and accepting et cetera but also I think you know when it comes to learning do we need um do we need them all to learn the same thing at the same time in the same way or or would customization uh, you know creep yeah. in? Uh, and have maybe more—I uh, don't know—variable type of yeah. curriculums, or
1: I think like every like serving, it's it's a balance. Okay. You know, if, if you walk in the early childhood center with Radio Amelia focus, it's very much about helping you know letting students follow the things they love and care about. And at the same time, you we also need. If we only follow what we love and care about, are we really broadening ourselves? Um. And so how are we helping kids nudging them to deeper understandings about things that maybe they weren't going to care about, you know, at the beginning and then become deeply passionate? Because I hope we, I mean, all of us, um, I hopefully am not the same person I was when I was 18 or when I was (laughs) eight, right? And that's because I was put in different situations and, and, and grew from those and continue to grow from those, um, so I think you're, you're like there are some things being able to tell a story, either a written story or a verbal story or through picture, is an important skill, right? Because selling things is storytelling. So all of our kids need to learn to tell stories. Are they all going to do it at the same rate, through the same mediums, at the same time? No. But can they explain their understanding of something? Can I explain to you my the understandings of the cause and effects of World War II? I, mean, that's a, I think that's an important thing for us to understand. And how did those, what did we learn and what didn't we learn from that situation? And how has that played forward into what we're seeing in Europe today? Um, you know, there's so many families at our school who are in Dubai because they can't really live in their passport country. Oh, yes. Right? And so why is that? And what understandings can we apply to make that not happen. Wouldn't it be great if 50 years from now, there wasn't that? That everyone wanted to live in you know, Lebanon, Syria, Palestine could, um, because the world is a safer place. So.
0: Okay, well, let's take a quick break. Sure. That's a great question what worries you as, a, as an educator you're a, you're a parent and an educator yeah. so so what are some of your concerns
1: i'll come at it from a parent angle first you know as i shared with you i have two sons they're 24 and 23 and they went to international schools and live and work in amsterdam and new york city and both of them have lost close close high school friends to suicide um, in the last three years and I worry about the mental the mental wellness of all of us but I think that teenagers are very vulnerable um, the experiment of social media that's being played out on them is has changed their lives much of a teenager's life from when we were kids is is similar you have friends you have social activities you've sports you've learned in school but the impact of the phone, and the constant access and the fact that they are a commodity, right? Um, If you don't know what the, what's the saying, if you don't know how a company is making money, that means you're the product. (laughs) Um, You know, the internet was started by the military, right? And then became commercialized. And then when I was, I was teaching kids about this, and it was uh, 2006 when Napster came out and I would work with kids about is it okay in your culture to walk in a record store and take a CD and just leave? They're like, no, okay. But now, Nap- why is Napster okay? And then I started talking to them about, okay, would you? It was when MySpace came out, and would you make a poster of yourself and go down to the Bahnhof in Central Munich and put a poster with your name, your hobbies, your telephone number? They're like, no way. I was like, but you'll do it on MySpace. Um, and I was like, and you know, how's that company making money? And so I think, sorry, I kind of put on a tangent there, but I worry about how our kids are just constantly being compared to each other and and being marketed. Um, And what what does that mean to a kid that never, where is their white space? You know, going back to what we talked about earlier, where is a teenager's white space anymore? Um, And what is that to a developing brain, right? We, we do everything we can to keep them to not smoke cigarettes, to not vape, to not consume alcohol, to not eat junk food. But we're all kind of just standing back and being like, yeah, here's your phone. Here's your, you know, and none of us, the terms and conditions are kind of a joke, right? I don't, I don't even know how old you're supposed to be on Instagram, but do we really care? Like, we never talked. That doesn't really ever get enforced. So I worry about mental health. I worry about how the lack of white space in their life, is letting letting us all grow and be goofy and fall down and get up and not be constantly compared to each other. Because I don't think that's healthy.
0: It's not even healthy. For, even adults can't deal with that. Yeah. Uh, the constant comparison to to others more successful, more money, more less fit, more fit, more yeah. whatever. There's always more, 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 and there's always this comparison. Why do you think it's so different though than before? Because I mean, I read yesterday there was an article in the in the Washington Post about how um, bullying basically has moved from like the the playgrounds to the group chats, mm-hmm. and like you know, kids are now being excluded, you know, from from group chats. But I I just feel that. It's always been the case, right? They were always the mean kids and and not everybody got invited to the party and I mean this has always existed. Yeah. What why is it why is it so bad now or what made it uh what exacerbated it so much?
1: I guess one of the things that we we saw um so it used to be if you weren't invited out to a party on Friday night you probably didn't know till Monday. Mm. Now you're sitting at home on Friday night and you see the photo and you see it. So it's you're never given space not to think about it. I also wonder, and this is a wondering, is and it's really hard because as a parent, we're all very concerned about our children and about their mental health and their wellness. And sometimes the reaction is let me let me parent them even more. Mm-hmm. Let me be in their business even more. Let me put a thing on their phone so I know where they are. Mm-hmm thank God my parents didn't know where I was all the time and you know things we did on the weekends nobody recorded them right and that that was part of natural development so I you know I think some of it's a a reinforcing loop in a negative way we're worried about our kids so then we want to be more in their lives and then asking them how they're feeling about not going to the party whereas my parents never asked me that so I, I I just wonder um we're bringing to our community. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Lisa Demore. I think I mentioned her to you earlier. So Lisa is a is a doctor, uh, you know, and um, mental health expert for teenagers, and she's going to be speaking to the ASD community on February second. And I worked with Lisa, Doctor Demore, in Philadelphia at four different occasions, and she brings such wisdom to this to, to this topic. So I, I really, um, I am by far, you know, I'm an amateur at best when it comes to mental health. Um, Talked to like. Follow Lisa Demore. Her wisdom and her approach is is really uh, something that I've benefited from, and that our communities will benefit from.
0: And as an educator, so I asked you, I yep. asked you what concerns you. We spoke about as a parent, as an educator. I mean, you are responsible, yep. right? I mean, where where does the parent uh, responsibility start, and where does it end? And where does the school's responsibility start and end?
1: It's a, it's a blurred line, isn't it? Um, because I think in the reason you, I mean, I remind everyone at our school, right? Sometimes in jest, sometimes not that our parents bring us their children and they pay us their money. So it's really a shared responsibility. And that's why things like rate, like the radio inspired early learning center where kids are getting their hands dirty. It's a full body experience and with, with some technology, but Well, some digital technology, but lots of other technologies, crayons, markers, paint. I mean, you've been in the art program there. It's incredible, right? And isn't that where we make meaning of challenges in life is through art. So I think the school needs to make sure we're providing um, a a truly balanced approach for students where the arts are real because when we're dealing with tough times in life, isn't we often turn to the arts. We turn to music. We, we turn to painting. We, we, you know, um, I've seen ceramics programs just have an incredible impact on kids because it's tactile. Uh, my own son, when he was doing the higher level classes, he took woodworking on the side, made a guitar, and made a canoe because it was the decompression time from higher level physics and higher level math. Okay. So I think it's the responsibility of the school to put the structures in place so that kids have time to relax almost while they're learning. Because when you're really learning something that you care about, it is relaxing. um, And fulfilling. And fulfilling. And so I have been having lunch with all the senior class. I've had lunch with, um, we have about 170 kids in the graduating class, and I've had lunch with about 160 of them so far. And they talk about what they really value at ASD is the variety of classes they can choose from and the quality of the teachers that teach them, who they say really care about them. And they don't feel that the teachers are trying to serve the AP program or the IB program, they're trying to serve the kids. And so by having lots of options for kids so that they can dig into things they care about, learn those things and feel successful so that I'm not defined by not being invited to a party on Friday night. I'm not defined by someone saying, you know, leaving me out of a group chat. Mm -hmm. I have other places to go um, and I will find the people that, My people, you know, that make me feel like I belong. I may belong in the soccer team. I may feel like I belong in the art class. I may feel like I belong in the, in the choir. But we have to have that range of activities because we all, we all find those, those, you know, those places that make us feel whole in different aspects of schooling. And if our school's only about academics, then that's a pretty small, the traditional academics, it's a pretty small niche. So I worry about mental health. And I think the best thing we can do as a school is have variety, make sure the arts are front and center, make sure we're getting, getting kids physically active because we know that physical activity is better, you know, is, is great for our mental health. But then it can go to the point where everyone's comparing themselves about their physical activity and it actually comes a negative, right? <laughs> That's true. So it, it, it's got to be a balance of those things.
0: And what about competition? Uh, you know, there's this thing where everybody gets a star right but then it's not like that in life so how do you where do you stand on this
1: uh, I don't believe everyone should get a trophy um, I think st- when you talk to students they can tell you who the fastest runner is and if they're given a medal you know just because then it means nothing now ideally we're all, You know, in the best, we're just worried about how am I improving? Am I getting better? Because some people were born faster than me. That's just the way, you know, Mm. but am I getting better? Am I doing, am I getting better? Um, And am I helping others, right? Is it more important that I ran the fastest or I help someone else run faster? Uh, I think it's going to be different in different areas. So I don't, we shouldn't just give trophies to everybody. We shouldn't give gold stars for everyone. And, you know, if we go back to the work of Carol Dweck in mindset, let's make sure we're praising are we praising the outcome or are we praising the effort? Because if it's only you know, someone's outcome because of whatever reasons could have required them much less effort than someone's who maybe their quote outcome wasn't the, at the equal, but their effort to achieve that was much greater. Mm-hmm. So how are we, what, what language are we using with our children? And what are we praising? Are I we praising, the- praising the effort? Are we praising the stick Are we praising the perseverance are you praising the fact that you took some, you took on something that's really hard for you, um, and you didn't achieve what you thought you were going to achieve, but you learned from that experience? Um, I heard a great interview one driving into work the other day, and it was with a, a headhunter or something talking about careers, and he says, "They said when you're building your career, lean into the really hard things, take jobs at places that are failing. That's when you learn the most about yourself." Um, but so often we don't do that. Right? We just often we' want, I want to work for that company because it's an amazing place. Well, go go to the one that's really struggling.
0: That's definitely something that we struggle with as as entrepreneurs as well. Because you have some of the brightest people wanting to work, you know, for the biggest companies, and where really the innovation is happening and the the, the learning is happening is in these startups that are trying to, you know, solve a problem. And we always struggled with that because yeah, naturally everybody wanted to go to the big companies where they can make more money because money is, you know, a, a status symbol, yeah. right? It's a it's a it's a marker to success.
1: And I think let's I mean, we 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 all wanna have enough resources to take care of our family and, and have options in life. But then, after a certain point, yeah. it, it isn't really adding value. And,
0: and not when you're 22. We always say, like in, in our startup ecosystem, we we'll always say it's it's time to learn. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's not necessarily about the money, it's where you can learn the most.
1: Yeah. And what is this saying I, I read a, lot a couple weeks ago? Say yes to every opportunity when you're until the age of 40. <laughs> and then you start saying no. Okay. And I think that's, I think for an education, it's probably 50. Whereas you do want to say yes to everything and just build that experience set up. And then at a certain point you start saying, okay, no, I'm going to, one, your brain isn't as fast as it used to be. So you need to start having more time to think about things. But I think that's, and the same as in education, right? Like our, what I hear with the school, I've I've been fortunate to be in some really, really amazing schools around the world and work with amazing people and saw what they provided for kids um, and a variety of opportunities And where the, you know, when kids are doing service, um, meaningful service, you know, and really helping others, that is something we need to do more of in schools, because that also helps alleviate a lot of mental health issues. When I realize that it's not all about me and I'm so fortunate, our kids are so fortunate, but helping and serving others will make them probably not worry so much about being left out of the group chat on, on Friday night.
0: But what do you do as a school i mean when when there is bullying how how far do you push it right do you i mean you you gave the example of parents that are constantly worrying about yep. their kids and asking them how they feel about being yep. left out, et cetera maybe that's not helping uh
1: so I think it, you know it's really that's why we we have the values around our neck right is that um we have values as a community that we that we aspire to we have our mission and our values and that that's our aspirations. And students will make bad choices. Adults yeah. will make bad choices. So can we slow down and say, okay, let's talk about that choice you made and how that impacted others. So the school, uh, you know, we lean into those conversations because part of us, we, we have to teach kids. You know, you'd made this decision, you were and that, you know, you, that did not, that was not, you didn't use integrity, compassion, right? Our first one mm-hmm. on the list is compassion. So were you being compassionate to that person? You didn't need to leave. Why did you kick them out of the group chat? Why did, you know, I mean, we can't get involved in who gets invited to what birthday party. But at school every day, there's hundreds of interactions between kids. And when kids are are not making good choices, that's our job. Mm -hmm. I think just as much as teaching math, maybe even more, are you aspiring to our values and are you getting better at those? Because that's what the world needs.
0: There's a great, uh, there's a podcaster that I really love. His name is uh, Professor Scott Galloway. He he talks a bit about these things. And, and one thing he said is that, you know, before, if you'd made a mistake as a student, and kids make so many mistakes, and maybe two or three people would know, uh, and then life goes on, right? Yeah. Like, your life is still okay, you can still function as a human being. And I think what he said is that today, if you make a mistake as a student and you will, and you will make many, everything is like recorded or there's photos yeah. or there's videos and it spreads and that could really destroy lives.
1: Yeah. So Scott Galway spoke at my previous school in Philadelphia.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Um, no, it's true. I talked to kids about that. I'm like It used to be if I was out with my friends and I complained about superintendent of the school, it was between us. Now it's recorded and posted and, you know, I end up – and that, again, that circles back to the mental health question, right? Like, is that really good? Like, part of growing up is making mistakes Mm -hmm. um, and not hurting it. And I think there's mistakes we make that are normal growth mistakes, but if it hurts another human being – you know, we need to learn not to do that.
0: I think people are very hurtful on the internet. Oh, that's uh, I think horrific! Some of the comments you read—I mean, I don't know how it is in with teenagers because I don't have exposure to what's going on. Uh, I don't have teenage kids, so I'm not sure. I, I don't know how bad Good it luck. is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's coming, but I know how bad it is uh, as an adult. I mean, I see, I see comments on on social media, and it's it's really horrible.
1: Yeah, it, it's not very helpful is it no i mean i
0: people are could be
1: really mean yeah uh, sitting behind the keyboard and like what 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 value does that bring to society to any of us right like it's not we need to have discourse about things and that doesn't happen in a you know you know an overpromised like chat forums and comment boxes like has that really made anything better i'm not
0: sure yeah so, do you teach kids these things mm-hmm, today? Sure. So, you talk about
1: that. Oh, right? yeah. We have digital citizenship and digital ethics. And I always bring it back to with kids, let's talk about how this behavior would be in person. Mm-hmm. Right? That's like what I talked about earlier, like when I was trying to teach kids about Napster, right? Like, okay, you aren't going to steal the CD and put it in your pocket. If you're doing it online, what's the difference? So, let's talk about how we behave. You see me in the morning, I greet every student that comes in, whichever gate I'm at, right? And that's what we do as human beings. Good morning. How are you? How are you, to try to engage. But all, our online behavior can often be so disconnected from our what we would do in person. And we teach kids about that. Because it's really important to, you know, like they'll, you know, what if you did this and your grandmother saw you doing it, or if you if what you did ended up on the front page of the New York Times, would you be proud of it? And that's what kind of what we all you know what we do when no one's watching is really what defines our character, and I think we teach those things to kids. We teach those directly to kids, and you know we we live in a world that's far from perfect, and we work together.
0: Mm. So that's why education, you know, based on what you're saying, can't really move online because you don't have these teaching moments, right? You don't have these opportunities to learn from others and make mistakes and uh, and grow out of that if you if you um, just move everything online
1: if we circle back to the very first question yes. you asked me right do we, do we need schools i think i think you can learn your timetables you can you can learn to write an essay solely online but can you learn to be a good human being hmm. i'm not so sure so i think schools will probably look like more high touch moments more mentoring, more service, um, more greeting each other at the gate. That's human. That's human, and that's what we need more of.
0: And teachers are they are they there to teach uh, you know the, the the times table as you said, or are they or are they is their role evolving more and more now?
1: Well, we don't have our times tables around our lanyards. We have our values, right? So, okay. I think w- we call it split screen teaching, where I'm teaching content. And I'm also teaching dispositions. I'm teaching perseverance. I'm teaching resilience. I'm teaching you how to be a good human being. So I think schools have to do both. Um, I'm teaching you how to be more open-minded and critical at the same time. right? I'm willing to listen to you and listen to your ideas. And also I'm going to not be afraid to challenge you and your ideas. Because um, being open-minded doesn't mean I just take everything. You know, I'm not, not going to agree with everything I hear. But I'm going to be able to understand and put forth a, a, a reason to – way to help someone else change their mind. You know, how many was Thanksgiving weekend in America this past weekend, right? And how many families in the last eight years have really challenged, been challenged by those big family dinners? Because families have always had different political viewpoints, but it was never this hostile, at least in my time. I mean, I've always had families <laughs> that were both ends of the political spectrum. We could always have barbecue together. We could always have dinner together. You have to get back to that,
0: okay. What is your advice to uh, parents you, you I mean you, you see uh, hundreds of them uh, every day. I'm sure lots of kids come to your offices uh, throughout the day maybe and uh, and so what do you what do you tell parents?
1: Uh, I tell them to, if possible, make sure your kids have other adults in their lives. I think there's a there's huge power by other adults in our kids' lives. Uncles, aunts, grandparents, best friends that are called uncle, but they're not the uncle or aunts, right? The other men- mentors. mentors. Um, those were so important. I think those are so important in life. I, I also think um, give your kids space and time, but that doesn't mean ignore the realities. So in this highly connected world of... As your kids get older, you're going to be able to see the grades online. You're going to see the assignments online. Just schedule once a week to talk about that with your kids. Don't do it every day, right? Give them every Sunday, 30 minutes. Let's just look at your grades and let's talk about them. Don't Mm -hmm. be always on top, you know, give them some space, love them. Make sure you tell them that you love them over and over and over again, even if they don't respond the way you want them to, because we have to love them unconditionally. Um, and enjoy it,
0: even when they make mistakes. Even
1: when they make mistakes, yeah. it's the most important time, the most important time to love them is when they make mistakes. They're, it's easy to love your child when they or they're on the honor roll. You need to love them when they, you know, make about make a poor choice. And make sure they know you're there for them because um, they're your child and you're their parents. So that's my advice. And when you here's the other piece of advice: when you have a question for the teacher or the principal or the superintendent, just ask for a phone call. I'll try to solve it via email. Dear Steve, I have something I'd like to talk with you. Can we have a call? Sure. Let's talk. Cause if you write me six paragraphs, I'm going to re- I'm going to reply and say, let's, let's get together. Cause we can solve things that are so much easier when we just either talk on the phone or speak face to face or via screen. So my advice, love your kids, read to them, read to them until they're won't let you read to them anymore. Um, make sure they have other adults that they talk to because they'll be, they'll come in time when they get older, they won't and something they they're going to need someone else to talk to who will then tell you what they told them, but they won't know that. And enjoy it.
0: Okay. Do you have any asks from the, from the uh, business community? I mean, I think a lot of the listeners of this podcast are, uh, are in the business community.
1: Um, I asked that the business community doesn't blame schools for their <laughs> well, for their employees not having the quote skills they need okay, I would wonder if it's the managers that don't have the skills to get the most out of their employees um, I look forward hopefully in Dubai to having lots of partnerships with businesses so we can help students get experiences in lots of different roles um, before they even leave high school which
0: is so important by the yeah. way because I think very- that decision when when you finish high school and you want to choose what you're going to be for the rest of your life yeah. Is daunting. Yeah, and
1: I I was very fortunate. Um, I grew up in a very small town, but I worked in a hardware store since I was fourteen, and I learned more from working in that hardware store than anywhere else in my life. So, you have to have experiences like that. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It was you. a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Conversations with Lulu with Dr. Stephen Dragon. I really hope you enjoyed it. As usual, don't forget to visit the show's website, conversationswithlulu.com, to hear the other episodes. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast to get the latest updates. If you like what you're listening to, please don't forget to share it and give us a rating and a review. It would really help in getting us discovered. I wish you love, light, and see you in a few weeks. Are you struggling to find the right broker to take advantage of opportunities in the market? Are you looking to trade commodities, shares, or even crypto? Even if you don't know much about trading, you can learn all about it by visiting Capital.com's website. That's capital.com Capital.com is a global trading platform with over half a million users. Visit Capital.com and start your trading journey today.